Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 541, air date March 18th, 2020. I'm going live on all channels now. All right, I'm on Instagram. Okay. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Um, welcome. It's almost noon time. That's actually it's afternoon time. Today we're going to talk about uh, the solution to how we really start looking at the issue that's being caused uh, by uh, the coronavirus. In particular, the title is the solution really to the uh, the fake science surrounding the coronavirus and and really the fear uh, uh, that's really uh, affecting our economy and you and it's probably destroying you in many ways because you're so afraid to go out you don't know what to do and most importantly it's also affecting our economy so there's two things that this is affecting first of all it's affecting you and it's also affecting the economy and um, I've had so many people contact me from all across the country extremely uh, bright people across all spectrums from everyday working people to people in very senior levels uh, throughout uh, many interesting organizations ac- across the country. And they are first extremely uh, appreciative of these educational videos we're doing. Uh, as many of you know, I actually run a full-time uh, business, couple of them, uh, but I love uh, what I do and I feel it's extremely important to start educating people on the science and what's going on. But today what I wanna do is to offer everyone listening and the government, if they're listening, an actual solution to really the fake science that's destroying you and the economy around this coronavirus. And we're gonna talk about science and the fake science that's being promoted right now that is really creating this fear. We're gonna talk about the origin of this. We're gonna give you some substantive ways to start looking uh, at all of this from a system standpoint. Um, Many of you may know um, that I have spent most of my life really trying to understand the body as a system, Uh, everything as a system because the ultimate the truth is that uh, if we want to solve real problems, we have to understand that it's the interconnections among things that reveal to us what the truth really is. If we don't understand interconnections, we're never really going to uh, uh, come to the, a solution um, of what the real problem is. So first, let me give you a couple of slides here that make this a, a little more real to all of you so you know it's not theory. When I um, first came to MIT and my first interest in medicine, was to really become a a great doctor, believe it or not, but a life led me into more of the research and becoming more of an engineering systems guy. But when I first came to MIT, the problem I had was that I wanted to pursue medicine. I realized that Western medicine really looked at the body as a system of not interconnections, but essentially parts. So that's what you see here. Basically, we start looking at the body as components and we really don't start seeing it as an interconnected system. And what this has done to medicine is this diagram best expresses it, that if you go to see a doctor today, that doctor really doesn't look at your body as a whole. What that doctor is incented to do because of a very uh, unfortunate healthcare system, that doctor is really incented to triage you to as many specialists as possible because that's how the entire insurance uh, model the hospital model and the big pharma model actually make money. When you walk in, they're trying to figure out as many ways to extract wealth out of you. So if you go back to this diagram here, you come in with a headache and you may get sent to a 
Um, you know, as someone with a digestive system issue to a nervous system issue, you may get sent to someone with an endocrine system issue. You may get sent to many, many different kinds of people, okay? Uh, a psychiatrist, etc. And the goal is uh, not to see the interconnection of what caused that headache, but just to sort of triage it to multiple people. And that system of medicine really comes from wartime medicine. And it was good at that time in, in the late 1800s and something was going on with someone. We wanted to get them back on the battlefield. Okay, let's handle this issue, that issue, etc. It was called the triage model. But it's a reductionist way of looking at the body. Reductionism means looking at the parts, uh, not the whole. So um, what this has done to our costs is healthcare costs have explosively grown much higher than social security much higher than defense and you can see it's almost 20 percent of gdp today which means 20 percent of about uh 20 trillion dollars is our gdp by the way we have we owe uh we have uh we have a uh, debt of around 20 trillion okay our annual budget is four trillion but the bottom line is nearly most of our budget is going to healthcare in terms of a cost standpoint and this is a direct result in my opinion, of a reductionist approach we take to healthcare. Um, oops, so let me bring this up here. The other component that I wanna share here is that this is something that, uh, that needs to also be understood from a systems perspective on how we actually look at the body as a system. Let me make sure everything's okay here, good. So what we wanna understand is that um, year over year, and this is a problem pharmaceutical companies are having. So one of the things I want everyone to understand is Big Pharma, Big Pharma is actually in a perilous situation. And I've talked about this for 20 years when I used to uh, give presentations on the technology I created that came out of my MIT work for really addressing how we make medicines faster, cheaper, and safer. But this graph is what I share. And by the way, the shape of this graph hasn't changed. What do we see in this graph? Year over year, year over year, what we see, if you're, if you, by the way, those of you watching on Instagram, you can see this graph uh, over on Twitter and over on Facebook and over on YouTube as I'm streaming it there. But what you see here is year over year spending in R&D. So if you're a pharmaceutical company, every year you spend 30% more on R&D costs. Now, if you spent more and more on R&D, which means research and development, you're expecting to come up with new discoveries. Well, what do we see here? They're finding less and less new drugs. Why? Because it takes anywhere between 13 to 15 years from a pharmaceutical company which has to fulfill a regulatory framework for that drug to go through that process and get allowed by the FDA. It's a very time-consuming and highly liability process that the, the pharma industry is actually in peril. So a new compound comes, they have to do test tube testing in vitro, then they kill a bunch of animals. This takes around six years. If they get FDA allowance, then it goes through phase one, phase two, phase three. The simple point being that it, because of the regulatory standards, it is very expensive for pharma companies to get a drug through, and, and if the drug gets through, you can sue them, okay? This is important, high liability, and you, as you see here, high cost. So pharmaceutical development is high liability and high cost. And when I mean pharmaceuticals, I'm talking about drugs, chemicals that don't appear in nature. We're not talking about natural products. Um, so you see that, and by the way, 20% of stuff that fails um, occurs in phase, only 20% make it out of phase one, which is the small clinical trials with humans. The big takeaway here is that what you see here is that the way pharmaceutical drug development is done is actually quite medieval. In fact, medicine is medieval. The way they treat your body 
is not as a system. They treat you as parts. The way that they develop drugs is in many ways a way that we used to build airplanes about 100 years ago. You have a design, let's say that's your drug, okay, the, by analogy. Well, you have a design of an aircraft wing. Well, what do these guys do? They simply used to in the old days, well, let's test this test pilot out. They, they, put the, they put the test pilot in. If it fails, they say, gee whiz, he died. And if it succeeds, then after the fact, they come and explain why that worked, okay? So it's not even rational drug development, understanding the mechanisms, but it's after the fact. It's after the fact, they explain, oh, we shot a bunch of stuff, something fell down, this is why we think it works. I hope this is clear. And this is not that different than the way 100 years ago we used to build airplanes. So it's frankly a non-engineering approach. And the reason this occurs in medicine, and you're gonna find this really funny, but I, the reason I'm sharing this with you is I want all of you to start understanding what is the state of medicine today what is the state of the art today? So you can start overcoming your fear and really we can really help uh, yourselves from destroying yourselves in terms of feeling unhappy, scared and depressed. But this is what goes on. The reason medicine uh, occurs and it's backward is because the entire aspect of medical research is based on like the blind men touching the elephant. You have the elephant, let's say that represents some disease. Okay, coronavirus attacking us, the immune system or Alzheimer's, etc. These guys, this is a very famous story of the king who brings in the six blind men and asks them to touch the different parts of the elephant. Well, because they're blind, they don't see the whole and they have a blinded view of reality. So the guy who touches the, the, um, the tail thinks it's a brush, the guy who touches the, uh, the tusk thinks it's a spear and so on. And the reality is you end up, uh, if they were ever work, to work together, you'd end up with this, okay? It's a non-systems based approach to medicine. And this is what we have today. This is how we're going after this quote unquote coronavirus pandemic. We're going at it using a, people in the CDC and unfortunately a guy like Fauci who really doesn't understand systems. And he's been at this for a long time and I'll talk about that since Reagan times. But the bottom line is we don't take a systems-based approach to medicine, what we have is a non-systems-based approach. My interest in this was, you know, I went in and out of MIT, did. Uh, many degrees in engineering, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and design. But in 2003, because of my deep interest in computing and biology, I came back to MIT because the biologists had taken a non-systems-based approach to the genome project. You know, we knew a worm in 1993 had about 20,000 genes, and we thought when the genome project started, we were trying to sequence our genome, we said, wow, we're a more complex system. We must have a million genes or 100,000 genes. And what you find that's fascinating is in this graph here, when the genome project started around here, 100,000 genes, in 2003, when it ended, it turns out we only have, we only have 20,000 genes. So what does that mean? The bottom line is that we don't have 100,000 genes. We have the same number of genes as a worm, which means biologists, MDs, who really don't understand engineering, thought more parts, more genes, more complexity. Worm has 20,000 genes, we must have a half a million, 100,000, we only have 20,000. Now engineers like myself or the working people like a plumber and electrician understand complexity is not the number of parts, but it's how they're interconnected. You could have four parts and you can interconnect them in a much more complex way um, versus even having 10 parts, okay? So it's the interconnection. So this led to a field 
in 2003 called systems biology. And it was a revolution because it said, we're not our genes. Just because you have this gene doesn't mean you're get, gonna get, get this disease. So think about this. The doctors, the medical professionals, up to then, the, the fascist view of biology was, you have this gene, you're gonna get this disease. You have this gene, um, you should maybe think about, you know, as we've seen people look at the BRCA gene, maybe I should, you know, um, get rid of my breasts, which someone, one of these celebrities recently did. But the notion was genes will directly relate to disease. It's not true. So this was a big revolution in biology. What that led to was a field called epigenetics, which means genes can be turned on and off and it's much more complex. And it led to a field called systems biology saying, if you're going to understand the whole, you need to understand how the genes interact with proteins across many different uh, hierarchy from the organ to the cell, etc. So this was really the development of systems biology. So for me, you know, I had been in and out of MIT, always interested in medicine, very disappointed that medicine took a non-systems reductionist approach. You know, the doctor who doesn't even look at you, he sees this, if this, then this. Most doctors are not that bright. I hate to say this, there's a lot of good people, but they're not trained in an engineering approach. Uh, to correct, it's not that they're not bright, they're ill-trained, okay? They're not trained into seeing the interconnections among things. But in 2003, what occurred was a new field called systems biology came. And systems biology said, if you're gonna understand the whole, you need to start understanding the interconnections. And one of the big challenges that the National Science Foundation put out was, imagine if you could mathematically understand all the chemical reactions in the human cell. And if you think about it like this, if you think about a cell as basically an interconnection of many molecular reactions, then we could really start using the computer to model diseases, model molecular reactions before we actually go do the animal testing and hurt people and take 10, 20 years to uh, discover medicine and avoid toxicity. So uh, for me, this was quite an extraordinary opportunity. My advisor at MIT, uh, Professor Forbes Dewey said, hey, you should come back. And the challenge I took on was, could I create a technology that could mathematically model the whole human cell? And that resulted, I mean, I'll do some videos on this later, but the end result that I want to share with you is that was a development of my PhD work, which I've shared online, called Cytosolve. And Cytosolve said, look, um, these are little molecular pathways. When you write a paper, if you do research in a field, you publish these little pa molecular pathways. These were becoming models, and my technology was, could you integrate these systems of models? And that resulted in my PhD work and what was called Cytosolve. Cytosolve was a way to use the computer to look at a field, let's say the immune system, gather all the papers from it, interconnect the molecular reactions and, not, and get a holistic view, a systems view of the disease or the biological phenomenon and then use that methodology to actually understand um, what combinations of medicines could work. So that was really the development of Cytosol. And uh, I'm not, I, you know, you can read it, you can go, you, there's many videos I have in it, but fundamentally what Cytosol did was instead of taking a compound and going through this arduous process, we could actually mathematically model stuff on the computer, use Cytosol before we killed animals, before we did this to understand toxicity and understand what's going on. And by the way, this is how we build airplanes. We don't simply throw a pilot in, we use a computer, we understand what's going on in silico, which means on the computer before we throw the pilot into a test flight and kill him. So bottom line, Cytosol provides this amazing opportunity to take the science. So we're not 
really making up science. We're looking at a field, extracting all of it, interconnecting it to get a holistic view. Now, why is this important? Because in academia, we have people who like to promote their agenda, their little part and try to push it out. Here, we can take multiple sources, integrate it to get a much more profoundly holistic view of what's going on. A simple way of thinking about it is we can take, for example, papers in the field of the immune system understand the molecular mechanisms, model it, and then we can really come to an understanding of what truth is. It's really a scientific source of truth. So I wanted to share that with you because that is sort of the foundations of what we've put together in a way of really understanding how the overall you know, immune system actually functions. And, and I've shared some of the other slides with you earlier, which we really talk about the immune system. So why am I sharing this and why is this important, okay? Why this is important is for the following reason. When we start really looking at, at uh, medicine today, we really recognize that if you take a piecemeal approach, people can promote their own agendas. Let me repeat that. You can create fake science. So just think about that. If you don't really look at the interconnections of the parts, you can start creating fake science. I think, let me see if I can bring that up. If you guys remember a few days ago, I shared with everyone the uh, a view of the immune system. Yeah, here it is. Um, let me bring this up. Um, oops, let me bring it up right here. I'm gonna, in fact, bring it up right here. If I can do this here, let's see. File, open, recent, here we go. Uh, if people remember, I brought up a, um, uh, let's see. In fact, what I'm gonna do is just copy these two slides. One second. So I can put it in here and put it right here. Okay, so if you remember last time, if I can do this, I shared with all of you a view of the immune system, which basically it's, it's the white background. If you remember, there was a pathogen coming in. You have the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system, which gives rise to what's called an antibody. Let me just do this in the interest of making this easier. Uh, one second, everyone, if you don't mind, there. All right, so this will help a little bit better. So what you see here is that this is the model, the old model of the immune system before you take a systems biology approach. The old model of the immune system is you have two compartments, compartment one and compartment two, a pathogen like a virus comes in, your innate immune system, which is all the aspects of your a front-facing system to the virus, your eyes, your nose, your, your throat, everything that goes through your skin, but it's the thing that faces the pathogen as it comes in. So if someone sneeze, sneezes on you, it's the stuff in your uh, nose cavity, your mucosa, your eyes, it's the innate immune system. And the innate immune system attacks back by using things like macrophages, etc. And then we talked about the fact that that innate immune system, after a while, it kicks into your adaptive immune system, uh, here, which creates antibodies to target that particular ant antigen. But the reality, what systems biology shows, it's far more complex. It's not just a two-system two model. There's multiple systems, at least five to potentially six other models, including the gut-brain axis. You have the microbiome, you have the innate, you have the adaptive, you have the interferon system, you have the neural system, you have multiple systems working together. You have, you have multiple systems that are that are participating in fending off that virus. So the bottom line is when you take a holistic systems view, 
you find out that the immune system is far more complex, but one of the things you find out out of all of this system's work that's taken place since 2003 is one size does not fit all. Let me repeat that. One size does not fit all, okay? That means medicine is moving towards recognizing we need, we need to move to personalized medicine. Right medicine for the right person for the right time. And that really gets me into what I wanna talk about what the solution is right now. If you look at what's going on, which is making you afraid, everyone, and tanking the economy is because we have people who are advising the President of the United States with fake science. Let me repeat that. The CDC and the people like Fauci may be a nice guy, and we'll talk about him potentially later if he wants to talk to me, but we are basically advising the President of the United States to assert a health policy that is based on fake science. I know it may seem harsh, but you're looking at someone who studies this for a living. I've been invited to the major institutions all, the, all around the world to speak on precision and personalized medicine from the NSF. I've spoken at the NIH, Harvard Medical School. So you can look at my credentials, but what I'm here to raise a big, big time out is that we are pushing forward a health policy in this country based on outdated, if I want to be, if I want to be kind, outdated understanding of the immune system on a good day, on a bad day, it's fake science. That's what's going on. And, but we have a solution. So I'm not here to uh, just uh, you know, bring some alarm, but there is an amazing solution. What we're doing right now is we're applying one size fits all. That is a medieval science, which means you know, everyone gets the same medicine. In traditional systems of medicine, which even thousands of years ago, when the healer saw you, you got a very different medicine, could be for the same disease versus someone else got. Right medicine for the right uh, person at the right time. We need to do the right quarantine for the right person at the right time. So what do I mean? We have people who are advising the president to lock down everything. That's what's going on. And what that is doing to this country it is destroying the economy and maybe some people want to destroy the economy or maybe some people want to test how much fascism we will take how much we will how much they can use fear so we give up our freedom but there is a solution look as i've said before it is not the virus that harms the system or kills you it's not the virus it's a compromised immune system it is not the virus that harms somebody, it's a compromised immune system. If you look at these boxes here, some people's innate immune system may be compromised, the adaptive, which means their macrophages are shot, or the adaptive immune system is shot, or their microbiome is shot. Any one of these systems could be compromised, why? If you eat a high sugar diet, your body creates candida, creates gliotoxins as we talked about, and those gliotoxins attack your T cell systems and your macrophages, and therefore you compromise your immune system. If you don't have enough vitamin A, which comes from your thyroid not working properly, that you're not getting enough proper nutrients, well, you know what? You're gonna compromise your immune system. If you're 400, 500 pounds overweight, you're gonna compromise your immune system. We have a lot of unhealthy people in this country created by big pharma, big ag, and big academia who do not wanna talk about health. They wanna push on us regulatory stuff. They want to give us regulatory solutions always. And those regulatory solutions 
are always controlled by pharma and big ag. Let's talk about the actual science of the immune system. As I said, it is not the vaccine, it's not the virus that kills you or harms you. It is the overreaction of the immune system because we have weakened and dysfunctional immune systems. So here's the solution. Let's go find or create a criteria for let's say the elderly because they may have compromised immune systems. Let's go find those people who have diabetes, excessively overweight, smokers. Those people, we should highly advise them. Those people should be quarantined and and you know taken you know special measures if you actually believe the entire immune system model it's a different question but let's give that to them but let's not shut down young people small businesses we are decimating this economy by a one-size-fits-all model shut down everything it's completely nonsense the prudent way to do this is that let us find let's take a personalized approach here let's take a personalized approach to figuring out if you want to you know, support this process is who is truly immunocompromised and educate those people. Ideally, it's their decision, which I think people are smart enough, but educate people, look, you should probably you know, take a chill pill for a while, but the people who are healthy, by the way, by the way I think 56 to maybe 70 people have been killed by this virus, most people you know, over the age of 80. And by the way, none of the, 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 the science isn't even settled on this, that the virus is the thing that caused their death. Let me repeat. There's a very important set of postulates called Koch's postulates. Everyone in science knows this. In order to prove causality, there is a set of postulates called Koch's postulates. And the coronavirus causing that this disease, what people get, has not been proven based on Koch's postulates. And Anthony Fauci, if you're listening, you know what I'm talking about because you've been involved in the entire virology movement and to push vaccines since you started working for President Reagan when the National Vaccine Injury Program was implemented. Anthony Fauci, you know, he's learned the art of coming across as a nice guy. He may be a nice guy. I think Trump called him a movie star, but let me tell you what the issue is. He is a representative for big pharma, big ag, and big vaccines. Okay? This is a problem that I have because he is promoting outdated and fake science as a model to impose for everyone should be quarantined and to decimate this economy. Look, you have to understand risk. We have what we're experiencing right now in this country is we're at a very interesting inflection point. Are we going to become, follow the Chinese model of everything, a fascist model? Our, what's happened in this country is our, we have sold a lot of, the Chinese own a lot of our debt. We have outsourced a lot of our manufacturing. A lot of our intellectual property has been stolen. And what America has become is a consumer economy where we don't really produce. We don't really have educated people with skills. And what's really happening to this economy is we print money as a solution. And you know who's getting most of those dollars? China. And China gets a lot of those dollars and the bankers funnel it into hype up the stock market. And who is getting hurt in this is the American worker. And what we are creating is fear. And using that fear, we create regulatory environments to impose an authoritarian rule of people. We saw this after 9-11. We use terrorism. Terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. 
Well, using that policy, we started regulating many things. Then we had Dodd-Frank, you know, that, and, and what Dodd-Frank did is wipe out all the small guys, the small bankers. We consolidated power to big bankers. Now we have the NSA, which got created. And using this new fear, they are going to impose on you the solution of mandatory vaccinations for everyone, right? One size fits all. And that is what is being tested today, ladies and gentlemen. You're being tested to see if you will accept this fake science. The solution is that we need to get the economy started. People need to be working. And to take this extreme position based on a fake science viewpoint is absolutely reckless. And what we're doing is promoting a health policy and telling the economists, many who I've spoken to, and they're extremely scared, that we're going to be headed to a Great Depression. They're telling the economists, you solve it later. We, we're going to quarantine the hell out of everyone, and you guys fill it in. And how are they going to fill it in? Printing money, printing money, printing money. Well, a lot of that money is going to be transferred to the wealthiest people here. Go to China, which is holding our dollars. And when this crashes, China will buy our assets. And by then, we would have become an authoritarian government, which is what this is becoming. We're nationalizing many, many features. And we want to create nationalized healthcare, which means one size fits all. That is where this is headed. If you're listening to me, you will start waking up to the fact that what we need to do is recognize that we're in the future. You're talking to a guy who invented the first email system. I know about creating the future. I've created many companies which are always cutting edge and leading edge, including this company Cytosol, which actually allows us to en enable small businesses to create better products faster and cheaper. But what I'm telling you is what we need to move to is the right quarantine for the right person at the right time. Because the immune system, healthy immune systems know how to ward off viruses. Healthy immune systems know how to ward off viruses. China is getting back to work. A couple thousand people died and most of them, most of them, 99% of them were immunocompromised people. And we don't even know whether it was a virus that caused that death. Okay? Cox postulates have not been, have not been satisfied. Let me finish with this closing is that in the late 80s and 90s, we had this thing called HIV. And HIV was correlated to cause AIDS. And we said HIV AIDS. Well, that was one of the biggest scams that I'll talk about more. But HIV, according to Cox Postulus, was never proven to cause AIDS. Robert, uh, John Duisberg, you can look him up, Peter Duisberg, I'm sorry, at Berkeley, an eminent scientist, one of the youngest people uh, who got tenure, one of the youngest people in the National Academy of Sciences, blew the lid on this. And he showed that the retrovirus HIV causing AIDS has no relationship. In fact, most of the people who got AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, AIDS, was because of lifestyle habits. For example, there's, by the way, there's not one paper written showing the causality of HIV to AIDS. So today they call it AIDS-related diseases. Anthony Fauci and Robert Gallo were the guys who promoted this fake science. And they got everyone hyped up, everyone fearful. Fauci is the one today advising the president and he's using fake science to promote a health policy which is gonna devastate this economy. And if it doesn't devastate the economy, he's got a backup plan. He'll come out potentially as a hero saying everyone should be vaccinated. Mandatory vaccines, mandatory medicine of all kinds because he saved us 
from something. The reality, it's fake science. Here's a solution. Let's support the immunocompromised. Let's, if they want to be safe, let's support that. Let them make their own decisions, which I think they will choose right. But let's get people back to work. We can't have small businesses going down the tank. We're going to destroy this economy, make it beautifully perfect for the Chinese to come buy our assets. Anyway, think about it. You know, overcome this fear. Understand we're dealing with people who are promoting fake science, who have economic interests for big pharma, mandatory vaccines, and want to crash this economy. Thank you very much. Be strong, Dr. Shiva.